The date is October 14th, approximately 11.30 p.m. A new crisis has been reported. On September the 8th of 2017, a horror motion picture was released, entitled Stephen King's It. In September of 1986, a book by the same title was actually released. The problem and the crisis we are facing now is many people are claiming that this film, released in September, is the rebirth of the horror franchise. Albeit a favorite of mine for movies released this year, I wholeheartedly disagree, as that is not a fact. And also, the book is better. Today, we avert this crisis. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Boring. Look at you and your stupid outfit. My father gave me this outfit. And your dad's dead. Get over your dead parents already. Didn't your parents die? Don't bring it up. I was a boy. Now I'm a bad. Nerds, today we are going to be discussing the Stephen King feature film and book of it. Today we won't really be discussing the uh, 1990 miniseries because it doesn't have a lot to do with either one of them. It's just you like it or you don't. I liked it when I was a kid, not as much of a fan anymore. Tim Curry's still badass and amazing, but it's overlong and they changed so much. It's barely the same thing. I'm so sorry. Please forgive me for my cold. Okay. So. Here's the biggest thing we need to talk about right off the bat. I've been seeing all over the place that this movie is now the rebirth of horror. Horror movies are scary again. Look, dude. Just because it's R-rated doesn't mean it's the newest, most badass, scary movie. Insidious. The whole Insidious storyline it's pretty spectacular. The way it's written, the story itself is really good. And the way it's directed by James Wan is terrifying. That movie actually scared the living shit out of me. The, the other ones he directed as well, Conjuring, the first one, creeped me out severely. Dead Silence, that movie gave me straight up fucking nightmares because Mary Shaw is terrifying. Not to mention the whole barrage of indie horror that is actually pretty fucking scary. Uh, the autopsy of Jane Doe is legitimately creepy as shit. The point I'm trying to make here is, just because you think something's cool now doesn't mean it's the whole brand new bag. Just like when Serial, the podcast, came out, everybody was like, Oh my god, did you hear about Serial, the first podcast? Not my joke, that's from Comedy Bang Bang. But, yeah, you can't just claim shit to be the best thing just because it's the only thing you really pay attention to. That being said, this movie... I legitimately loved it, and it really, really creeped me out. There were instances that you can tell that the same guy that directed Mama directed this film because the lady in the creepy painting with the flute that Stan was terrified of looked a lot like Mama from Mama. But besides all that, even though this movie is really good, it's scary, the acting is astounding, everything about it is just really good. The book is actually better. Uh, sometimes the way it's written, 
written gets a little convoluted and can get confusing if you're not paying attention. I don't know how you do not pay attention if you're reading a book. Sometimes if you're just reading, your eyes can drift off to another page or your mind can be somewhere else and the words you just read didn't even actually go into your head because you're thinking about something else. Sometimes that can happen with this book because sometimes you're learning about characters that have nothing to do with the story and all of a sudden Stephen King decides to give you their whole backstory. But the book is my favorite book of all time. I've read it two times and recently I listened to the audiobook at work and I decided to do that because I wanted to read the book again but... I don't have time to with three children and uh, working nights. And my wife also works, so I have to get sleep when I can. And staying up to read a uh, thousand-page book isn't the best idea when you should be sleeping because you drive a truck all night. So, yeah, I work ten hours all night in a truck by myself. So I just decided to just listen to it. So I guess that technically means I've read it three times. Regardless, we're going to get into what I loved about this movie, what I love about the book, and where the movie decided to change itself from the book and all that jazz I think you can hear the rain in the background so I thought hey it's a good atmosphere for this okay first off really sorry about that first off the things I loved about this book was the way it was directed it, it felt like an old school movie and the way that it was directed made it feel like it was like the Goonies meets uh, the thing not in the essence of oh, who is it it could be any one of us but the fact of it's a monster they're trying to get away from the monster then they just decide fuck it we're going to kill this monster and it was kind of John Carpenter-ish to me a little bit some people might disagree with that but I, I just I got that vibe but essentially it was mostly like a really scary fucked up version of the Goonies I loved the kids they decided to catch in this movie and of course Finn Wolfhard, the guy who played Richie from Stranger Things, killed it. But I gotta put the uh, just gotta give all of my praise to the kid that played Eddie because every time he talked when Richie said something smart and he had something to say back, it was just fucking firecracker wit and it was funnier than what Richie said and he shut his shit down. And that kinda differentiated from the book, deviated from the book, I mean in the sense that everyone would tell Richie to just shut the fuck up but it just seemed like Eddie was the main one to be like dude I'm sick of your shit you know and in the book you know Eddie's a lot more timid than the guy that played him in this but I like this version of him better okay moving on let's start getting into the actual shit about this movie in the book the way that the film starts obviously is with Bill Denbro making his little brother Georgie a paper boat. He seals it with wax, you know, so it doesn't get waterlogged and it can keep floating forever. Um, you know, and he sends him out into the rain and the storm. He's sick, so he can't go with him. And he floats this little paper boat down the thing. You know, we all seen it in the trailers, we've seen it in the original, you've seen it if you read the book. Gets down to the gutter, goes inside the drain, oh god, and Bill's gonna kill me. And then, you know, up pops our new Pennywise, Bill Skarsgård. Just really cool. Well, he doesn't really pop up. He kind of just creeps in from the shadows. You see his eyes first, which I've dug the way they did that. And there's a lot more with Bill Skarsgård's eyes that were really fucking cool. But he just creeps up, and you hear, How you doing, The way he did it was so 
so cool though you know like kind of a lisp but like his teeth were getting in the way because he's got the two giant front teeth so the the way that they did it in this one and the way they did it in the 1990 and the book are very 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 similar but this one was cool because they did it a lot more like the book in the sense they didn't just go oh don't you want a balloon they had the don't you smell the cotton candy the hot dogs the circus animals I kind of wish they would have went further like they did in the book and then because Georgie's under monologue is and the strange aroma of animal shit. <laughs> that would have been really cool if they would have did that if Georgie just goes, it smells like poop. But, you know, you can't really say I guess they thought that was too far because the next scene all of a sudden shows, uh, you know, Pennywise opening his mouth really fucking wide just ripping Georgie's arm off, which was really messed up. But another thing they decided to change from the book is Georgie tries to crawl away and Pennywise reaches up and drags him into the sewer and Georgie disappears. In the book, one of Georgie's neighbors finds him and wraps him up in a blanket and brings him home. And, you know, they kind of did that, I think, so that they can explain more why the kids were in the Barrens because I don't really feel like they had a really good explanation for it in the book. They were just like, oh, let's just get out here and play. We can try to build this dam. In the book, in the movie, the new one, they they changed it in a way that made a lot more sense. Where they thought, where Bill thought that Georgie's body was down in the barren somewhere, and if they build a dam, they can block it off and they could find Georgie's body. So that was that was a pretty smart way to change that. I feel. Another thing that they changed is in the book. Right after that, uh, it cuts to Stan Marsh. Stan Martians on Stan. Ah, oh, goddamn, I can't remember Stan's last name now. It cuts to Stan getting a phone call from Mike in the future, 1986. But you know, obviously, they decided to cut these into two different parts, two different movies, so they don't have anything about them as adults. Which, to me, for a feature film, I actually think it's a smart choice. Because you can do a full movie without fucking confusing people with a back and forth, back and forth. Because that's one of the things in the book that gets a little ridiculous sometimes. Because Stephen King, in the climax of the book, he even does things where he'll start... He'll have someone saying something, you know, dialogue between two people. And then the in the middle of the sentence, it stops. And you have to turn the page and it's a new chapter. And it's flashing to the future or flashing back to the past. And it picks up with the same word. So it could say, I saw what he, turn the page, did. All of a sudden it's 1986. So they changed that, which I'm actually kind of a big fan of. And they can also just, you know, dig deeper into the the psychosis of it all. When they're adults, you know, show how fucked up they made them. And show the, the little subtleties they never noticed happen. Well, that's actually that, that that depends on whether or not they go with the turtle, which we'll get into more later. One thing that I kind of wish they would have kept in, but since they were since they did an updated version and they moved it from the fifties to the eighties, which means when they're adults, it's going to be now times. You know what? Maybe they. This might actually end up being in the in the sequel. I didn't even think about that. The whole Adrian story about the first time that people saw the clown again and that was about uh these three kids these three teenagers they see two gay guys and 
they get offended because they're super fucking homophobes. And uh, Adrian, the guy in question that we're talking about, is wearing a hat, like a big old trucker hat. It says, I heart dairy, and it's got a big flower sticking out of it, which is actually referenced in the movie when Patrick Hoxsetter is getting about to get murdered and the balloon turns around and says, I heart dairy. Um, so the, th- the three guys, they get offended by that and they proceed to beat the shit out of the guy. Uh, and they pick him up and they throw him over a bridge into the Kandusky, I think it's called. And, uh, yeah, one of the guys and Adrian's boyfriend see Pennywise grab him and take him under the bridge. So that's the first time we see him in the book, uh, in the future. So it makes sense if in the sequel, that's how they start it and actually pretty badass. Okay, so let's just move it along a little bit and compare how the losers met in the new movie compared to how they met in the book. So in the movie, it's uh, Eddie and Bill, and they're playing in the Barrens, and I believe Richie and Stan are there too. Then all of a sudden you see Ben come barreling down, and he's covered in blood, and that's how they meet. In the book, it's a bit similar. Similar, it's uh, Eddie and Bill, and they're playing in the down in the barrens building a dam and all of a sudden bill come ben comes running down and he's there but eddie has a giant fucking asthma attack and he does inhaler so bill goes and gets it and it's this whole other story about the first time that you know bill denbro beat the devil that's what it's called it's pretty awesome moving on from that let's get into how they changed the first time that the gang met it. So, in the book, the first time that Bill sees anything about it or anything out of the ordinary that scares the shit out of him, he wanders into Bill's room, uh, at Georgie's room, sorry about that, and he finds a little book, and it's just got a bunch of pictures in it that Georgie uh, saved, and Georgie made this like little scrapbook. So he's looking through it, and he's obviously really depressed. His brother just died. And one of the pitchers winks at him. It's a pitcher of Georgie. It's like his class photo. Winks at Bill, and Bill throws it across the room, and then just all of a sudden the book opens back up and flips to that page, and blood just starts pouring out of the book. It's pretty fucked up. They do that also in the 1990s miniseries. In this one, however, the first time that Bill meets Pennywise, it is when he follows... This figure in a yellow rain slicker into the basement and it's talking to him. So he's like, oh my god, it's Georgie. Runs down the steps and there is Georgie. And you get to see that it's actually a part of Pennywise sticking up. And he transformed it into Georgie, which is pretty rad that they showed that. But this part was actually pretty fucked up because all of a sudden, as Georgie is talking to Bill and he's blaming him for dying, you know, you let him kill me, This, you did this to me, you did this to me. All of a sudden, Georgie's face and body starts to decompose, and that was pretty fucking gnarly. It actually creeped me out pretty bad. The first time that Ben, Ben Hanscom, Haystack himself, sees Pennywise, he sees a mummy. It's pretty goddamn terrifying, the way that that happens. But in the in the movie, the first time Ben sees Pennywise, he sees a headless boy. As he follows a bunch of boiling, exploding Easter eggs into the basement. That part was actually really stupid to me. Because I'm like, what fucking child would do that? None. 
Thankfully, though, my wife pointed out to me the librarian that was telling him, like, you know what you're looking at, little boy? If you look at the background while he's looking at the book, each time the camera glances over his shoulder, it's not even in focus. You have to stare. But the fucking librarian in the back, she's staring hardcore and creepy at Ben. And every time, it, you know, the camera cuts and it goes back to that shot, she's looking more and more sinister. Nothing comes of it. I think it just shows that that might have been Pennywise that gave her the book, which would make a lot of sense. Uh, okay, Mike. This one, this one's kind of big to me because they kind of just like you know brushed off uh, the first time Mike saw Pennywise, which is a little weird to me because his story in the book when he first meets Pennywise is is pretty intense and one of the weirder, creepier ones to me. I mean, yeah, the other ones are monsters, werewolves, and all that shit, but. This one really creeped me out. So, uh, Mike decides on his day off from helping his dad in the farm, this is in the book, to go to where the old ironworks used to be, where they used to make uh, the ironworks that exploded that you get to see in the book, in the movie. He decides to go to there and try to find like a gear or something that he could keep as a souvenir and show his dad. So he's there. And his father told him, like, do not go to the basement hole. Don't go over there because God only knows what's down there and you can fall in easily. But, you know, Mike being a teenager, young boy, decides, hey, fuck it, I want to go see what's over there. I can't help it. And then eventually he he feels that he's not actually trying to go over there. He was trying to turn around and walk away, but some kind of force is pulling him there. And they really get into that that in that part of the book, which I really dug. So Mike gets over to the hole. And he looks down and he sees a bird. And at first glance it just looks like a bird where it's just like deep in the hole. But then he realizes he's actually face to face with this giant black eye. And it's actually a gigantic prehistoric bird. And it terrifies the living shit out of him. Which it should. But then there's this giant story about how he runs into another little stack pipe over here. And he hides inside of it with a bunch of... uh, just chunks of clay and he just fucking tile I mean and he just starts whacking this bird in the face as it's trying to get in there and eat him and it's just really intense and it's written so good and it's really well and I just feel like they kind of just brushed over Mike seeing him the first time because in the movie yeah sorry in the movie they have him going to the butcher shop and then you know the door opens and he sees like this guy hanging on the hook and he's singing some weird fucking little kooky song and it turns around and it's Pennywise but before that happens, this part I really dug because it, it, it's a, a reference to the book. He sees like these black charred hands coming out from behind the door and they're screaming, help, help, help. And that's a reference to the book because his father was in the Air Force and they created this club exclusively for the uh, the black members of it, of the Air Force at his base because they were you know, shunned from going to the one that they were we're all supposed to be going to because this took place in the 50s and you know segregation was around and shit so they created this club called the black spot and a bunch of uh white people a branch of the kkk in maine called the legion of white decency decided to band together and they decide to burn this place down but they board up all the doors and they decide to burn up all the people inside as well and 
Mike's father told him this story very vividly as Mike's father was on his deathbed dying from cancer. And it always stuck with him. So I, I really, really enjoyed that they threw that in there because it was a reference to the book that wasn't in the other miniseries, I mean the other series or anything. So you never saw that in, in film or any form, like a visual image of it. And I really dug that. Um, next is Bev. Okay, so she sees blood in the sink, hears voices. That's pretty on the nose to the book as it is in the movie. So there's not much to say about that. They even do the, I worry about you, Bev. I worry about you a lot. Eddie's was a little different because he saw a leper in the movie, like he does in the book, but they toned it down quite a bit because uh, of inappropriate things that the leper says to Eddie, such as, uh, uh, give you a blowjob for a nickel, dime for overtime, you know, all that shit and all the rhyme schemes. And he mentions his actual name a bunch in there, Bob Gray. And he actually sees him twice because he doesn't believe that he actually saw it. He thought it was some kind of fever dream or something because he, you know, uh, he's a hypochondriac. So he believed he was hallucinating. And he goes back again, sees him again, and it's even worse the second time. But, you know, in the in the movie, he just tries to take his pills. And his, his nose looks like a butthole because it fell off, which is really creepy. Stan is very, very different. He, His dad is the head of the synagogue, the rabbi of the synagogue, which is kind of different. I don't remember that being in the book at all. just remember his parents being kind of white-collar. Um, but in the book, he goes to the standpipe, which I believe is either some kind of uh, device or building to keep the... Uh, can get can Deskig from overflowing, either that or it's just you know like a water tower. It's like their reservoir, and there was a local story about these boys, these teenagers that went in there to party, and they got trapped in there and fell in the water, can never get out because there's no ladder or anything, and they died in there and became waterlogged and bloated and all that shit. And so he goes inside the building, and these dead boys start to come at him and he holds his bird book up because he's a bird watcher and screams the name of these birds and gets gets them away because each of them have their own little individual thing to stop it to show them that they're not scared but in the in the movie he goes into his father's office and there's this really creepy painting of a lady holding a flute or a pickle or something. She comes out of it and comes at him. And she's got these weird teeth. And it's really fucking creepy. But they did change it quite a bit from the movie. Now Richie. Richie's is 100% different. I mean the only similarity is that it happens at the house on Nebald Street. Because in the movie... He goes into that room and it's full of clowns and that Richie is terrified of clowns and, you know, he sees Pennywise and that's pretty creepy. In the book, though, Richie is terrified of werewolves and him and Bill decide one day to go to the house on Ebalt Street and see if they can find what, what lives there, what this monster is. So they go into the basement and then the second they get in there, this werewolf comes down the stairs and that's the first time Richie sees Pennywise and it's really fucking scary and he comes back again later on the first time that they face him because they face it twice at the house on Ebal Street 
They don't do that in the movie. They just face them the one time in the sewers. But in the book, Bill and Richie meet them for the first time, and they can't fight them. They have no way. But then they go back with the rest of everybody into Nevalt Street, and they're looking around the house, and while they're in the bathroom, they hear something coming up from a pipe, and Pennywise, in his true form, that they only see for a second, pops up out of this giant pipe in the bathroom, and then they fight him and turns into the werewolf, and they hit it with a silver slug that they made out of uh, a coin that Ben's father gave him, and they fight him, and he goes away, screaming in pain, but they know that he's not dead, so they go back again into the sewers to fight him. But before we get to that, I wanted to reference some, uh, talk about something else, and that was one of the biggest things that changed, was the death of Patrick Hockstetter. Now, Patrick Hockstetter is the guy that ran into the sewer thinking that Ben went in there. And in, the further he went in, the more creeped out he got. And then all of a sudden, there was a bunch of zombies chasing him. And he got stuck up against a grate, the bar. And he turned around, Pennywise is there, and he got eaten. Now, in the book, this scene is very fucking different. Bev is down on the barrens by herself, and she knows she has to go home. So she decides to take a shortcut through the junkyard. And as she does, she runs into uh, Belch Huggins, Henry Bowers, Patrick Hockstetter. I can't remember the last dude, but they're all there. And they got their pants down. And they're farting and lighting their farts. And it's like this funny comical moment. But then two of them leave. And it's just uh, Henry Bowers and Patrick Hockstetter. Then all of a sudden... Before you pull his pants up, Patrick Patrick is just like, "Hey, I can show you something cool," and he starts jerking off Henry Bowers. It gets really intense, and Bev's watching, and she's like, "What the hell?" You know, because she's a little kid; they're little kids. Pretty weird. Then all of a sudden, Patrick's like, "I can put it in my mouth," and then Henry punches him in the face. He's like, "I ain't no queer," and runs off. And then you know, it's weird. But then Bev decides to keep an eye on Patrick because she's really freaked out by his behavior and he goes to this old refrigerator in the junkyard and he opens it up and he's got a bunch of dead animals he's been torturing in there and this time when he opens it instead of the dead animals there's these giant fucking leeches with wings and they jump out and they latch onto him and they just start sucking him dry and they take all his blood and everything and it's just really really creepy and he kills a couple of them, but when he does, there's a giant hole where they were, and his blood is everywhere. It's really fucking intense. And they reference that also, I believe, in the movie, in the scene where Stan gets separated from everybody else while they're in the sewers, and they find him, and the lady is sucking on his face. It looks like leeches, like the mouth of a leech. So I thought that was there, and also... When he, when they're all fighting it, and it's trying, Pennywise is trying to like change his form to scare them, and he turns into like a giant leash at one point. He also turns into a mummy and a werewolf, so that was a cool little nod to the other ones. Um, Officer Bowers. In the book, he's not an officer; he's a farmer. But they changed it in the movie, which didn't really make much of a difference. But he dies the same way. He get, uh, Henry Bowers gets a knife from Pennywise in the mail and he goes in the house and he pushes the button against his dad's throat and kills him 
Henry Bowers seems to possibly die in the movie. Uh, Mike throws him down a fucking well. But he comes back when they're adults and he plays a pretty big part in that. So I don't know if he's actually dead. They might use that some other way. He might be fucking dead. But I guess we just have to wait and see. Betty rips him. Uh, She dies the same way, but you don't see it. It Happens off screen. Now in the book, there's a lot of other kids that get killed, and you see you you don't see it. Obviously, it's a book, but you know what I'm saying. You are there to witness it in the book, first person. Whether it's Mike retelling the story or for just a few pages, you're in that character's point of view. One thing in the book. They don't. I don't remember if they really ref- say this in the movie, but it's a big thing that Mike says in the book a bunch. Is that judging by how bad and the tragic events that happened every 27 years when it would come, they think that they stopped it before it got really bad and he only killed a few people as opposed to the other ones where at the end of each event there was a big drastic thing, whether it was the fire at the black spot uh, the ironworks blowing up. There was always something. Uh, as far as references go, I just mentioned all that. Oh, yep. Yeah. Uh, the store, the freezes, the freezes store. The, there's a scene where Richie's wearing a shirt that says freezes. Now, as far as the ending goes, obviously they skipped the the child sex scene. There's a giant orgy in the book. Where they're lost in the tunnels. They have no way to get out. And all of a sudden Beverly just starts taking her clothes off. And everybody's like what the fuck's going on? And she's like we have to become one together. You have to make love to me. That's the only way we'll be able to regain our whatever. Our power and know where we're going. Blah blah blah. And it gets pretty fucking pretty vivid. Pretty detailed. It's a little weird. (laughs) But I, I like the way that they they reference it, in a sense, because they're in the tunnels, they kill it, so they think. And then all of a sudden, it fades to black, and it comes back up, and they're sitting in a circle next to the Kingeskig, and she's talking about how she felt when, they were, when that was happening. But if you don't know the book, if you don't know how that was described, her feeling and stuff, you don't know that. But she mentions like there were birds and I felt flying and so that's what she says in the book. So that was tastefully done the way they handled that. Um, one big thing that bugged me though is the turtles referenced a lot. Like you see a little Lego turtle in Georgie's room. Uh, there's a scene where one of them has a turtle in the shirt. There's a scene where they're in the lake or the quarry and a turtle brushes up against one of the legs and they freak out. In the book... There's a thing called the Ritual of Chewed. And, uh... I think it's Chewed. I think that's it. It's spelled Chud, but they say it weird. Um... And that ritual is... Uh... Pennywise, or it, is an interdimensional demon... Or being from a different realm. And so is this turtle. And this turtle is the only thing that can defeat him. Put him back in his place. But the Ritual of Chewed is or chewed is when you latch onto each other's tongues you bite down hard and you tell each other jokes and the first one to laugh 
loses and sent away to the other dimension forever. So they go into that in the book, and it's really, really awesome the way that it's written and the way it's described. And they don't mention that in this at all. Uh, they just say we're not afraid of you anymore, and that's how they defeat him, which is essentially the same thing. But it's really in-depth and really intricate in the book, and it's really cool because they reference the turtle, and Bill is the one that steps up and does the ritual, and it's really good the way that it's done. If you ever get a chance to read this book, I definitely say definitely read it. Um, that's all I can really say about the movie. Now, as far as the next movie goes, there's obviously like fan casting. A lot of people are doing so. I wanted to give my own personal fan cast who I want who I would want to play these people as they're older. So I figure I got to start with Bill. Um, I think maybe Jake Gyllenhaal. That's who I wrote down should play Bill, because it's got to be somebody who's kind of kind of like real worldly attractive, but he's got to be balding, so that's something they would have to change. But his hair's on. His hair's kind of receding anyway, and just do a little makeup effect for Ben. Now in the book, Ben is a fat kid, you know, but as, when he grows up, he loses all of his weight and he becomes pretty skinny. And he's a successful architect, and he's svelte and attractive. So I put Chris Pratt, because he's done that in real life, basically. Now, Beth, who is a bright redhead, um, I put either Amy Adams or Jessica Chastain, because I feel like they, they both would look a lot like this girl in the right age, and just really good actors. I could see them being terrified and from this creature, and the way that the, the second half of the book goes, I can definitely see those scenes working out with them. Either one of them. Now, for Mike, I think he's a little... The guy I wrote down is a little bit older than the rest of these actors, but with makeup and whatever, it's easy to change. But I wrote down Jesse L. Martin. And if you don't know who that is, it's a guy that plays Joe in The Flash. And he plays... He's in Rent. He was in Law & Order. He's just such a really good, intense actor. And Mike, when he's older, is the guy that brings everyone back together. He never leaves Derry. Everyone else leaves the town and becomes successful and stuff but Mike stays there and he keeps a record of everything that's going on and I just think that Jesse L. Martin would fit that character perfectly now Eddie when he gets older he's still neurotic still a hypochondriac he's a bit of a nerd but he's a smartass and he's funny so I wrote down Jason Bateman I think that would be perfect for Eddie and his BFF Richie in the book, Richie is really big on doing voices, doing characters, and he's just smart-ass as well. And the person I wrote down fits all of those perfectly, and he also kind of looks like Finn Wolfhard, I believe. So I wrote down Bill Hader, because perfect, I, th- I feel. And for Stan, now spoiler alert for people who don't know, in the book, when they're adults, Stan is not really an, in it at all. Because when Mike calls him, whom he calls first, I believe, tells him that it's back and, you know, they all made the promise and they have to come back to fight him again. Stan goes up into his bathroom after he gets off the phone and slits his wrist in the tub and dies. So in the sequel, the way that they set this up, Stan's probably going to die within the first five minutes. But as a, you know, I think he kind of looks like this kid and... I don't know. It's think it fits perfectly. I prefer Stan. I put Zach Breath. Now I could do the rest of the book, 
you know, get more into that when they're adults where the sequel's probably going to go and everything. But I feel like that would be better to just do when the second half of the movies come out, when Chapter 2 comes out. In a nutshell, I just... I I love Stephen King. It was the first author I really got into, really started reading hardcore, read almost all of his books. Um, I really want to get in the Dark Tower, and I really want to watch Gerald's Game. But for now... I say, read the book, not because not just because it's better the way it's written is better and everything. But if you really enjoy this movie, if you enjoy the story, the atmosphere, the the just the creepiness of it, but really also enjoy these characters, read the book. It's really really well done, well written. One big thing that I love about the book is it's kind of you can tell what what it is going to appear to the kids as. Because very subtly he tells you like, oh, this was what terrified me this time. This is what I'm scared about the most. And then you you just know that that's what they're going to see. You know, and it's just really done well. And I'm also very interested in seeing the way that they portray Beverly with her husband. Because her husband is very similar to her father. Abusive and just controlling. But either way, for now... Uh, this is a relatively short episode, but I did it by myself. I wrote a lot of notes, and I practically read them really fast. And I have a bit of a cold, and I feel like I've been sniffling this whole motherfucking time. So for now, I know it's been a while. It's been a while since I did one of these episodes. But I'm going to do my best to keep them coming and keep them going. And I think I might just keep doing this for a little while. Just comparing books to movies, or just talking about things that I really dig at the time. So, for now... For everyone here at the Dalal household and everyone here at Marlon Music, I think it's safe to say that this crisis has been averted.